Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Tuesday, everybody. We're counting down to the big holiday weekend and the Steve Jones Show with Neil Kulong coming on today. We'll talk about the Steelers, where do they go from here, what's the status of Antonio Brown, a lot more. Uh, the Steelers, of course, trying to fight to get that opening round by to buy themselves more time to get Antonio Brown back. We'll talk to Neil about that and a lot more. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sunbury Motors, they've been with us since day one. And we're about to head into our seventh year of doing this show. A lot going on as the week goes along. We're trying to get either Dave Pash or Greg McElroy on before this week is out. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. We know that Frank Divers, the chairman of the Fiesta Bowl, is going to join us on Friday's show. Next week, Todd Sadowski and Trey Bauer, my two cohorts from the Blue White Tailgate television show, will be on and talking about uh, Penn State, the Fiesta Bowl, and get the thoughts on the college football playoff as well. Of course, with Trey, when Notre Dame plays LSU, we may get him to pick that game. Notre Dame, LSU. Why? He doesn't like either team. But uh, we'll have some fun with Trey and with Todd coming up on next Thursday's show. So that's nine days away. And then the Friday show to preview the Fiesta Bowl, this is what we have lined up for you. Bob Rondo who will be broadcasting his final game for Washington after 37 seasons. And he's retiring on his own terms. He wasn't forced out or anything like that. He said, you know what, I think it's time. Bob Rondo, great guy. We're going to have Bob on the show and talk with him. His color analyst, the former Washington quarterback, Damon Heward, who played eight years in the NFL. Derek Williams who will be working the sideline for us on the Penn State Sports Network. And, yes, Jack Ham. That will be on the 29th of December. That's that show. So, and, uh, By the way, Dick Girardi is going to join us on Thursday the 28th as well to talk about Penn State basketball. So we got a lot going on uh, coming up on the, a wide variety of shows. But Neil Kulong will be on today's show as well. Uh, of course, John Skipper out at ESPN, claims uh, substance abuse is something he's been fighting for a long time, says he has great support from the Disney Corporation and has had that over the years. And Jerry Richardson, out already, a chief operating officer, has already been named for the Carolina Panthers as the Me Too campaign, which had hurt so many lives years ago, is now coming back to now hurt lives uh of those who uh, created the abuse. And if you create the abuse, Me Too campaign, so far, it's, you know, these are the victims. These are the true victims that are now coming back and saying, you know what, you did this, this to me all these years ago. Right Now I finally have the courage to say it. Well, Jerry Richardson, Jerry Richard, I don't know too much about the situation. All I know is that he's out, 
and they're going to put it up for sale. Michael Jordan might be interested in buying the Carolina Panthers. P. Diddy might be uh, interested in buying the Carolina Panthers. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, They think that they'll stay stable and that uh, the Panthers will stay in Charlotte. All right. Neil Kulong on today's show to talk about the Steelers. Where to from here without Antonio Brown and how the first week buy would be so important to buying time to get Antonio Brown back as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Welcome back. Neil Kulong joins us on the show today. We'll talk with him also uh, coming up by uh, Andrew Callahan, 24-7 Sports. We'll be on the show. Uh, so a lot going on today. Uh, tomorrow was, of course, the early signing period, first ever for college football. And it's something I've been in favor of for a long time. You get uh, high school players, they just know where the certain ones just know where they want to go. Now, there are going to be some that want to play the process out, and they're entitled to. They should play the process out because it's a big decision. It's a huge decision. And because it is, if they want to take longer to the first Wednesday of February, great, so be it, just like everybody else has in the past. But when you have, at minimum, 75, maybe 80% that have known now for months exactly what they wanted to do, and the program that they want to go to feels the same way about them, then have an early signing period. December 20th is great because guess what? Now, those who get to sign their letters of intent can relax and enjoy their holiday, for goodness sakes, without having to worry about more text messages, more contact, blah, blah, blah. Being, you know, They can just get back to doing what they want to do and, that's, you know, and, and enjoy themselves. And there are some that want to be early entries. For example, Penn State begins classes again on January 8th. Well, you're going to have some guys that are going to sign on the 20th that are going to be early entries. The guys are going to sign tomorrow. And James Franklin and his staff have brilliantly stayed ahead on the recruiting game. Now, now think about how difficult this has been. This is going to be their third cycle with 85 scholarships. And this is something that's not often talked about. Because remember, he started out with 65, then he got to 75. This is only his third recruiting cycle, knowing that he has 85 scholarships total. So he can now balance his numbers. When he first took this, you know, obviously they, they did the best they could with that first class, and look what they've accomplished. This first class is so special that he was able to bring in in 2014. You know, guys he had contacts with with Vanderbilt. I mean, look at Christian Campbell and Parker Cothran. Christian Campbell and Parker Cothran are both about to play their final games at Penn State. They came to Penn State, all right, and didn't take their official visit until the blue-white game in 2014. You're saying, well, what's the big deal of that? Because they'd already signed in February of 2014. In other words, they trusted James Franklin and his staff so much that when they moved from Vanderbilt to Penn State without even taking an official visit to the campus they signed the first Wednesday of February in 2014 and didn't take their official visit until the blue-white game that year now that tells you something about 
how special those two guys are, and also about the commitment and also the coaching staff. Now, let's again bring it back to 2014 and the point I'm trying to make. It takes oh, it takes recruiting cycles, especially when you have 65 scholarships to start with, to then get a proper depth and positional balance. And here they are now going into their fifth recruiting cycle overall, their third with 85. And for the most part, they have accomplished depth and positional balance. The one area where you look at and say, okay, let's discuss the depth is going to be the linebacking spot. Everything else, defensive line, look, they've rebuilt the numbers in the offensive line. And you could tell that the guys that brought in, Will Fries is going to be it is showing now he's going to be a really good offensive tackle. Whether he plays left or right, he's going to be really good. You know Ryan Bates already is really good, whether he plays left or right. Michael Mennett came on in the last six weeks of the season. Michael Mennett's going to be a really good player at that guard spot. Came on the last six weeks of the season. I think now that Connor McGovern has a season under his belt at center, Watch him take off next year at that center spot. Believe me, I know he played center in high school, but it still was more of an adjustment at this level than people realize. Steven Gonzalez should get better along the way. Uh, you know, Alex Gellerstadt is in, is in this mix. So you've got guys in here that they've been able to recruit, get into this thing, you know, Fries, McGovern, and Mennett were three cornerstones. All three are going to be playing for this team next year. And they were able to go out and get them in that recruiting class a couple of years ago. That was rebuilding the offensive line depth. Now, rebuilding the linebacking depth has taken some time. Now, the three guys they brought in last year, Braylon Franklin, Els Brooks, and uh, Faison Walton, uh, Brandon Faison Walton, I think are all going to be good players. But I'd like to get a better look at, at them as time goes because you know you got Cam Brown back next year. You've got Koa Farmer back next year. Okay, so that's good. That's a good starting point. Jarvis Miller is still there. Jay Cooper is still there. But you're going to have to mix these other guys in, and that linebacking spot is the one area you're looking at. Now, Penn State at times is playing so many combinations of not just straight 4-3-4, four, there are times they're playing a lot of 4-2-5. So that does change the quotient at linebacker a bit when you talk about that. But they could get tomorrow. We'll see how it plays out. They could get 19 or as many as 21 signatures tomorrow. I mean, they could get 19 or maybe as many as 21. Now, Ryan Snyder is going to join us on Thursday's show from Rivals.com and Blue White Illustrated. So we'll hear from him. So that's what tomorrow happens to be. Uh, Letter of Intent Day. And they're going to be treating it the same way they've treated the first Wednesday of February. They're going to have, and I'll be over there tomorrow morning. I'll be over there as part of this uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, I'll probably get a card that with a name on it that I'll get to announce or whatever, which, you know, I, I actually kind of enjoy that. Uh, now, the first one they ever gave, you guys know this story. You know the story already. But the first recruiting class he brings in, I get the fifth guy to sign. Okay? Hey, Steve, we want you to you, know, you you want to go and announce this. We want, we're going to give you a card. I said, yeah, sure, great. So I remember Michael Hazel and Kevin Threlkel and Jamal Griffin 
give me the card. I look at the card, and it's Amani Oyewariye. <laughs> now, it's signing day. Of course, you want to pronounce everybody's name perfectly every single time. That is the goal. You want to make sure every single time you say a player's name for their family, for their friends, and just for them, you always want to get it right. Well, this is the first time I'm going to have to announce the name. And not only that, it's a big deal to him, his friends and family, who are on Skype watching all of this. And to go out there and goof it up would be bad. So he's already faxed in the sign letter. So now that that allows me to talk to him. And I got on the phone. I said, Amani, I said, uh, Steve Jones. He goes, oh, uh, hello, Mr. Jones. How are you? I said, I'm doing fine. I said, now, as you can tell, I said, I've got the first name down pat. <laughs> he starts laughing at the at the other end. I said, but look, I said, I want to make sure. I said, not only now, I said, but forever. I said, because I'm going to, going to be announcing your name for years. I said, I've got to get this right. I said, take me through this. And we probably went through it four or five times <laughs> before I said, I said, oh, you worry. He says, he says, you got it now, Mr. Jones. I said, well, thank you, Amani. <laughs> and I went out there and I said, with the fifth selection in the 2014 Penn State football player draft, the Nittany Lions select Amani Oriwarie, defensive back, Tampa, Florida. I'm like, <laughs> I sat down and went, oh, <laughs> I got it right. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was that was the first card they ever handed me. I'll never forget that. And by the way, Amani is going to be doing an internship this summer. And I was talking to him about when I was doing basketball games at the Barkley Center. And Amani might have an opportunity in his major, maybe, to do an internship at Madison Square Garden this summer, which would be really neat for him. Because we were talking about that uh, after practice one day. Because uh, he knew I just got back from Brooklyn, and he said, "You know, he says, hey, you know, what'd you think?" and so forth. I said, "Yeah, it's, it's, I said, you know, I mean, nice arena." I said, "But I said to me, the Garden is still the special spot." And he, then that's what he started telling me that he might have a chance to do an internship there. So that's neat. And Amani stays healthy next year. Amani will be one of the top seven or eight defensive backs in all the Big Ten. I mean, you can make the argument he may be one of the top four, but he'll be one of the seven or eight, including safeties, defensive backs in the Big Ten next season. And he's really good with his length, his coverability, uh, speed. He's just a really good player. So that's the big one tomorrow. Don't forget Penn State basketball tonight, Binghamton. Binghamton's actually won seven in a row. They won seven games in a row. And against Sacred Heart on Saturday... Get this, they won the game 51-47. And J.C. Shaw, who started his career at Bucknell, is now the uh, leading scorer at 16 a game for Binghamton. Well, he had 21 in the game. He had 21 of the 51. Final was 51-47. Binghamton had to come back in the game. This is how they won it. They shut out Sacred Heart for the final 9 minutes and 16 seconds of the game. I expect Tony Carr back tonight, and the Nittany Lions will take on Binghamton this evening at 7 o'clock following Santa and the Magic Radio here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great story of the day deals with Cole Hamels. Cole Hamels and his wife Heidi donating a $9.4 million Missouri mansion to charity. 
100 acres of land in southwest Missouri to a charity that provides camps for children with special needs and chronic illnesses. The donation of the 32,000-square-foot home to Camp uh, Barnabas was made last Friday. It listed at $9,418,400, according to Realtor.com, at the time of the donation. They said that Heidi and Cole Hamels both want to help the charity and make children's dreams come true. The mansion and the land are near Table Rock Lake near Reeds Springs. Uh, Heidi Hamels grew up in Buffalo, Missouri. An attorney for the couple told the Springfield News Ledger that they thought the mansion would be their dream home. However, when Hamels was traded from the Phillies to the Rangers, they moved to Texas and never moved into their Missouri house. And so they decided to take the house and make the best of it and not sell it, but donate it. And this house, along with the 100 acres of land, it's a 32,000-square-foot home, along with 100 acres of land, it'll be used by the charity to provide camps for children with special needs and chronic illnesses. In this holiday season where there's so many nice things happening, that's another one you can chalk up to nice things. Just like another great thing happens to be the Needy Family Fund that so many of you are donating to and making such a difference. We can't thank you enough for that. Coming up, Neil Kulong, USA Today on the Steelers. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kierwitz 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to be with you. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15 in beautiful downtown Hummel's Wharf. This day in sports history in a moment. Neil Kulong later in the show today as we'll talk to Neil about the Steelers who have Houston and Cleveland to close. Maybe not a couple of layups, but as close as you can get to it in the National Football League. All right, uh, let's get to uh, this day in sports history. By the way, Chad, great to have you with us again today. Good to be here once again. All right, this day in sports history. Uh, And on this day, of course, it probably would help if I found and did, did the right day, Chad. I mean, that would help. There we go. It is 18, December 19th. 1887, Jack Kilrain and Jim Smith fought in bare knuckles. It lasted 106 rounds, two hours and 30 minutes. The fight was ruled a draw and was halted due to darkness. The first regular season game of the new National Hockey League played. Five teams made up the league, the Toronto Arenas, Ottawa Senators, Quebec Bulldogs, the Montreal Canadiens, and the Montreal Wanderers. Notice, no American teams. Quebec did not actually begin operations until two two years later. Dave Ritchie of the Montreal Wanderers scored the first goal in NHL history 100 years ago today. 100 years ago today. 1959. Penn State beat Alabama and Bear Bryant 7-0 to win the Liberty Bowl. The first ever Liberty Bowl was in Philadelphia. 
Now, I know I've told this story before. I feel like I've told all these stories before. But I think it's worth telling it again. Penn State had not been to a bowl game since the 48 Cotton Bowl, the 13-13 game with SMU. And for Rip Engel, with Joe Paterno as his top assistant, Rip Engel had never coached in a bowl game before. Joe Paterno as an assistant had never coached in a bowl game before. So Rip wanted some advice. You know, how do you handle the distance between the end of a regular season and then finally playing a bowl game? So he called up Bobby Dodd at Georgia Tech. And he said, how do you handle? He said, well, you handle practices this way, you spread them out that way. And he said, and by the way, he says, he said, let me give you a little tip that could help make practice better and it's and not as monotonous. He goes, okay, well, what would that be? He says, why don't you put a play in that you have not run all season? That way it's new, it's different, and they have to concentrate on it in order to make it work. So that'll keep practice from being monotonous. So Rip Engel sat down, they talked it over, and what they decided to do is they decided to put in a fake field goal. They didn't run one, hadn't practiced one all year. They put a fake field goal in. Well, Penn State won the game over Alabama 7-0 because Galen Hall, on a fake field goal, rolled right and hit Roger Kaufman for a touchdown. All right, uh, let's see. 1979, the Whalers and the Capitals, ESPN's first ever NHL game. 1984, Wayne Gretzky, then just 23 years of age, became the only the 18th player in the NHL to score more than 1,000 points in his career. He did it in just his 424th game. The previous record was held by Guy Lafleur, who did it in 720 games. I'm sure, you probably haven't heard my Guy Lafleur story. Have you, Chad? I have not, no. Okay. I, no, I don't think I've told this story on the, on the air. Now, the, the, the one about... The fake field goal. I probably told the story two or three times on the show. This one I don't think I've ever told. I'm in college at WDFM, Penn State's college radio station. And John Molesky, and you probably have seen John on C-SPAN. You've seen him on Newseum. Uh, John and I are great friends. We go back. And still are friends today. In fact, I just saw John, I don't know, three weeks ago, and son Jack took my class. Jack's a really great young broadcaster. So John and I are sitting in the office, and one of the guys is on doing sportscasts. Now, this guy, names were not his forte. And this was an era in the late 70s, especially in tennis, of Vitas Gerolaitis, Guillermo Vilas, and needless to say, Fred struggled Anytime tennis came up. So he's doing the sports on this particular day. And he's giving the scores. And he says, and Montreal beat Toronto 4-2 to last night as Guy LaFlower scored three goals. Okay. Sports cast is over. He comes back to the office. He says, all right. He says, what did I get wrong? So John and I proceed to tell him. I said, well, it's Guy LaFleur. So he goes, okay, Guy LaFleur, Guy LaFleur. So John tells him, he says, make sure it's say Guy Lafleur. Then I said, I said, now nah. I said, I said a little helpful hint. I said, when you see something like that, I said, think French. He goes, oh man, you're right. Yeah, think French, think French. Okay. So that was the eleven o'clock sportscast. Comes back at eleven thirty. 
does the sports, and he gets to the Toronto-Montreal game, and he says, And Guy Lafleur scored a hat-trick last night for Montreal as they beat Toronto 4-2. to John and I smile, like, all right, that's good. The next game was Buffalo and Chicago, the Sabres and the Blackhawks. And the Sabres had a great penalty killer. This guy could kill penalties left and right, named Don Luce, L-U-C-E. And so he gets to the Buffalo game, and he says, and the Sabres last night beat the Chicago Blackhawks 5-2 to two as Don Luce scored a pair of goals. I looked at John. I said, we can't win. I told him to think French. <laughs> uh, it's not really a universal hint. <laughs> uh, it's Don Luce. No, Fred, no. Guy Lafleur, Don Luce. Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> Okay. I was only trying to help. 1988, the NCAA placed Oklahoma's football program on probation for violations. Uh, 1989, Larry Bird of the Celtics began the NBA free throw streak of 71 straight games. 1990, Bo Jackson became the first athlete chosen for all-star games in two sports when he made the Pro Bowl. 1999... Orlando Brown of the Cleveland Browns ejected from a game for pushing referee Jeff Triplett to the ground. Triplett had accidentally thrown a flag that hit Brown in the eye with the weighted end of the penalty flag. And in 2003, the baseball that was deflected by Steve Bartman in the stands during a Cubs game sold for $106,600 at auction. The foul ball appeared to be headed for the glove of left fielder Moises Alou in the National League Championship Series. And the Marlins ended up winning the game 8-3. The Cubs then lost game 7. Of course, Steve Bartman. What they did to Steve Bartman is so wrong. So wrong. This is wrong. I always felt awful about that, that that happened to Bartman. Always did. I mean, what I'll tell you, the person that took all the pressure off is Gonzalez, the shortstop. He's the one that made the error. I mean, he's the one that made the error. You know, if you're any good, you overcome that stuff. I realize in something like that, the margin of error is thin. I've got that. But I've always, I've, the Bartman thing's always bothered me. I mean, the guy had to go into seclusion. The guy had to hide from people. The guy doesn't go to Cubs games anymore, something he always loved doing. What, because he did what all of us would have done? I mean, a ball's coming at us, so we put our hand up to catch it? The natural reaction. Now, you do have some savvy fans that'll pull back. You know, that, that happens once in a while. But there's no guarantee that Alou, who is a mediocre outfielder at best, still would have caught the ball. That part we'll never know. All right, tomorrow is Letter of Intent Day. I talked about that in the opening half hour. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And I don't mean what Penn State gets tomorrow. It's going to take a couple years to get a sample size as to whether... Letter of Intent Day right before Christmas is the right time to do this or not. Because I've always been in favor of an early signing period for football. Basketball, it's never affected anything in basketball. You think about it, basketball's had an early signing period for uh, 20 years now, something like that. And it's been no big deal. It's been no big deal. You know, the only time it's ever been a big deal was the Spike Albrecht thing at Michigan. I mean, you know, you don't count on a guy getting hurt during the season and then being hurt in the, what, eighth game of the year like he was, which then meant he was eligible for a medical redshirt. 
Well, they'd already taken his scholarship because he was a senior, and they already had had somebody else sign. He ended up transferring to Purdue to close out last year. But so aside from that, when do you do this? Do you do this at? Do you do this at? Uh, you know, it's. Do you do this at the beginning of the year? where a player can have their senior season uh, and have a chance to play it, enjoy it, and everything that goes with it while already signing. I mean, that's what happens in high school basketball all the time. Jair Bolden and Miles Dredd are enjoying their senior seasons at their respective schools have already signed with Penn State uh, as examples. Or Or does this work out really well? So... I mean, that's what I want to see. I want to see how the sample size... And it's going to take a while to figure that out. It's not going to be one where you sit there and you go through tomorrow and say, oh, okay, this is good or bad. I think you're going to need three three years' worth of this, maybe four years' worth of this, so you get a real feel as to how it's playing out. I think part of it is when do you... Um, when do you make a move on a coaching staff if you're going to make a move? You know darn well with the early signing period, you're going to have to do it earlier and earlier. You're going to have to have everybody in place usually by the 5th or 6th of December, so you got yourself two weeks. And I think that I think when you sit there and you, you look at this, if you know you're going to go someplace, just go, get it done. It's going to be a relief for them. It's a party. It's a celebration. And to get it done and have the winter time, you know, some of these are real early commits too. They're going to enter early, but I want to see this for two or three years to see how it works out. Because to me, the debate is not whether to have an early signing period. I'm all for that, and always have been. I've brought that up in this show for years. The question is when. I'm fine with it where it is at December twentieth. Now it's December twentieth because it's a Wednesday. You know that's what the you know, the, the signing period is actually the twentieth through the twenty second, so it's tomorrow, Thursday, Friday. That's the early signing period. Then the next one will come up, the late signing period, the first Wednesday in February. So I, I've always been for an early signing period. The question is just when. Now my initial feeling is seeing where it is right now. I think that's a good spot for it to be in. There will be others that will debate whether it should be before the season. We'll take a break. Come back with more in a moment. Do not forget, Santa is with us tonight from 6 to 7 with the Magic Radio. And News Radio 1070 WKOK. Penn's Tavern is where you want to celebrate this holiday season. Whatever feel you're looking for, Penn's Tavern along the Susquehanna River can accommodate your needs. Mountain stone walls and wood floors can be found in the original dining area, giving you that old world charm. Continue back to the newly renovated River Room with 12 PA microbrews on tap. Grab a burger and sit back and relax in this cozy pub area. Penn's Tavern has the best gift certificate offer for the holidays. Buy five gift certificates of the same denomination and receive a sixth one free. Penn's Tavern, a piece of on Route 147, five miles south of Sunbury. All right, welcome back. Two years ago, Nick Domingo of Bleacher Report wrote a great article about the most bizarre recruiting stories. He's got 12 of them. So in the spirit of the 12 days of Christmas, here they are. Number 12, the mom who forged her son's signature. Okay. This would be 
Floyd Raven's mom forged his signature and faxed it to a school in 2011. Not only did his mom fake her son's signature on the letter of intent, but she actually sent it to the old Miss Rebels when, in reality, Floyd wanted to become a Texas A&M Aggie. The kid called it an honest mistake because his mom wasn't aware he had changed his mind, but it was very embarrassing that it happened. Rice University at number 11 gets a recruit that actually is a cat. Many college coaches trying to shower players with pitches. Rice and their coaching staff decided to go after a three-star quarterback, J.T. Granado's cat. Yeah, the cat. Sending a letter to the feline in a winning maneuver that convinced the signal caller to commit. T.Y. Hilton at number 10, now a Pro Bowl wide receiver. He said rather than seeing which school he could get the most playing time or which program might help him make it to the NFL, Hilton put faith in his then-infant son, Eugene, who grabbed the hat of Florida International eight times. So because of that, he picked them over West Virginia and Oklahoma. Number nine, Chuck Amato, head coach at NC State at the time. Amato used his singing voice twice to get what he wanted. Recruiting corner A.J. Davis of the Wolfpack when Amato thought that Dean Martin's return to me would help get the kid back on his side, and it did. He also sang Abba's Take a Chance on Me that that snagged him another recruit. Tennessee, they want to put a ring on it for Shy Tuttle. Five-star DB, they put together a mock Rolling Stone cover with him next to Beyonce. Deshaun Jackson, now with the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks, Didn't want to sign with Southern Cal for the honest reason, for an odd reason. In 2006, according to the L.A. Times, Jackson woke up on signing day 2005 believing that the secret of him playing for USC had been outed by the team's coaching staff. So he reversed course and he signed with Cal Berkeley instead. Alex Collins, the strange story of Floyd Raven's mom. Alex Collins' mom took things to a whole different level in 2013. Collins' mom hijacked the announcement ceremony, literally stealing the commitment papers to Arkansas and going into hiding because she wanted her son to stay close to home and attend Miami. Collins ultimately convinced his mom to sign the papers so he could attend Arkansas. Jim Harbaugh climbing trees to impress recruits. No said on that. Tennessee Volunteers football coaching staff goes topless. During his tenure as a head coach at USC, it was believed that Pete Carroll had been known to rip his shirt off to both impress recruits and get them pumped up. Turns out that Lane Kiffin said that's a great idea. Kiffin is, uh, isn't believed to have gone all Hulk Hogan with his own, without his own shirt, but several members of the coaching staff have done that in the recruiting trail as well. Bryce Brown's bizarre plan. Top running back recruit Bryce Brown uh, didn't pan out. Top-rated player 2009. Could never make up his mind on future football plans, flip-flopping from Miami to a bevy of other schools and ultimately signing with Tennessee before ending up at Kansas State. He just couldn't make up his mind. Turns out that he had his trainer and mentor, Brian Butler, hint to schools that the player would skip college and play in the CFL, set up a website that charged money for exclusive updates on his recruitment, and because of it, it became a target of an NCAA investigation. Bo Pelini would would wrestle recruits in the living room including four-star offensive lineman Tanner Farmer, former state wrestling champ. Pelini talked smack to Farmer, asking the kid to prove that he had the toughness for his future head coach. The kid, by the way, did go to the Huskers and Pelini in 2014. And then there's Kevin Hart with the fake recruitment. Former Nevada high school player. He wanted that moment so badly that he organized a signing day for himself, unbeknownst to any of the schools he had narrowed down his list. Holding a press conference for himself in 2008, Hart chose between Cal and Oregon, announcing that he would play for the Cal Bears, which sent everyone into a wild cheer. 
Here's the problem. Neither college had offered him a scholarship, leaving hard to explain the hoax once it was discovered that he was lying about the entire thing. Welcome to the world of recruiting. That article's two years old and still works today. Neil Kulong, next half hour on the Steelers. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 to 15 in Hummel's Wharf. 